give him a hand of praise. Deserve the glory and the honor. Be praised. We praise your name, Father. We glorify your name, Father. We love you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, Lord Jesus Christ. We can say like Paul of old, death, where is thy sting? There's no victory anymore because Jesus Christ has already prevailed. He conquered death. He conquered sickness. He conquered cancer. He conquered everything that the enemy can try to put on. Death has to flee because Jesus Christ is here. Lord Jesus Christ, we love you and glorify you for that victory, for that day of victory, that day of Calvary, Father, and that resurrection morning, Father, Lord Jesus Christ. How great our heart, you are the mighty conqueror. Even the tomb couldn't contain you, Father, Lord Jesus Christ. Even death couldn't contain you. Even corruption couldn't go into that body because of the promise of the word of God. Oh, we love you with all our heart, Father. We glorify your name. We thank you this morning. Thank you for the atmosphere. Thank you for the people. Thank you for the leak of fire that each of one of each and every one of us brought here, Father. Lord, you are the mighty one. You are the great one. You are the all in all among us, Father. Lord, Lord we want to give you our heart. We want to surrender ourselves to you this morning. We want to tell you how much we love you, Lord Jesus Christ. Worthy are you, Lord Jesus Christ, because you broke the seals. You have revealed our names contained in that book, Father. Now there is no more doubt. We know that we'll be part of the rapture, be part of the resurrection, Father. You have changed our sicknesses. You have changed, oh, Father, our leprosy. Oh, God, you have given us a clean skin, Father, spiritually speaking, Father, because we have been clean, washed by the word of the word of God. Glory to your name, Lord Jesus Christ. How much we love you, Lord. How we commit ourselves to you, Lord, this morning. May you bless your people, Father. May you bless the word of God into our heart. I will be listening and reading the quote, Father. Oh, Lord Jesus Christ, increase our faith. Let us to see you, Father. Let us grasp what you have on purpose for us, Lord, in store for us, Lord. We surrender ourselves to you, Lord. We bless our pastor. Bless brother, Lord, brother, brother Andrew is also traveling, is preaching this morning, Father. Visit him as well as where he is, Lord. We love you and give you the glory in Jesus Christ and we pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I greet you this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Do you love him? Every day is becoming sweeter and sweeter. Every day is becoming close, we're becoming also closer and closer to Him. Amen. Just want to mention that there will be only one service this morning, so there's no service for this evening. So uh, just want to convey that for those who are not here on Wednesday, you can hear that, so that we don't want you to come here and be scared that the rapture has happened and, <laughs> and start calling deacons and everyone. So we give you another chance to repent. <laughs> good. It's good to be a child of God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I invite you to go to the Word of God. Thank you, Brother John, the musicians. God bless you richly.
Brother Ed is not here, and uh, Brother Maxwell went to the camp. The group of young people also went there. So it's quite empty either on the right side here, but uh, the angels are filling those benches. <laughs> Amen. And Brother Andrew is preaching as well. Yeah, the weekend of special meetings in Saskatchewan. May God bless you. Bless him. Be with him there. I invite you to go to the Word of God in uh, Hebrews 2. Hebrews chapter 2, 1, 3. If you're there, so it's 1, 2, 3. The Word of God says... Brother Ernie Frieza, God bless you for the, the wonderful work you have done here. So the altar is a little bit uh, extended. Thank you. God bless you. So chapter 2. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them sleep. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received the just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? May God bless his word. You can have your seat been standing for a long time, and I'll go to the other scripture I get my thoughts from. Exodus Exodus 29, 37, 46. Seven days thou shalt make an atonement for the altar and sanctify it. It shall be an altar most holy. Whatsoever touch of the altar shall be holy. Now this is what, this is that which shall thou, thou shalt offer upon the altar two lambs of the first year day by day continually, the one lamb that shall offer in the morning and the other lamb that shall offer at even. And with the one lamb a tenth deal of flour mingled with the fourth part of a hin of beaten oil and the fourth part of a hin of wine for a drink offering. Brother John preached on those three elements that always work together. And so with the one lamb, so verse 41, and the other lamb that shall offer at even and shall do thereto according to the meal, to the meat offering of the morning, and according to the drink offering thereof for a sweet savor, 
an offering made by fire unto the Lord. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak there unto thee. There I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. And I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar and the altar. I will sanctify also Aaron and his sons to minister to me in the priest's office. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. May God bless his word. For me, this sounds like the third, the threefold purpose of God. The Christ, the Lamb, and God having the preeminence in the bride and the return of the kingdom for God to live with the bride. Because that the desire of God is to live with the bride. I would like to speak to you this morning by God's grace on the fullness of the atonement, the fullness of the atonement. I believe we have been blessed on the weekend, and we are still feeding on that and being blessed by that. Just want to share the, the thought this evening, small thought this evening, and, and then uh, this morning. Brother John, you left some anointing here. <laughs> so this morning... And uh, just want to fellowship around the revealed word of the hour. Amen. The atonement in its fullness. They asked a question to Brother Branham, and that's where I caught my thought here. It struck, it struck my heart. It says, in question and answer, in 1964, on August 23, the evening one, part two. After the bride is rapture, will any of the foolish virgin be saved? Or will they be lost? The brother man answer to that question he says, just a minute. Will the foolish virgin be saved? No. Whatever happens, she happens now. After that time, she's in the state. Now she will have to go through the tribulation period. And the reason of it is, is because she has rejected the atonement in its fullness. That's the reason why she has to go into tribulation, because she has rejected the atonement in its fullness. That was struck my heart. So what is the fullness of the atonement? What is the atonement in its fullness? What is the foolish virgin is rejecting? What is she rejecting? It has been given to her, but what is rejecting? Why she's going through the tribulation? What she missed, what she missed with the fullness of the atonement? The prophet says, she is a believer. She is a professed believer. But she will have to go through the tribulation period. So the, the foolish virgin is not, is not a non-believer. She is a believer. She is a professed believer. But she has rejected the atonement in its fullness. That's why she's going through the tribulation. We all know what is a foolish virgin. We all know that what's a foolish virgin, and I like what the prophet himself describes as a foolish virgin. He says in the sudden secret, going away of the church, says, how many of you all perhaps have read of the virgins? Some were wise and some were foolish. Virgin means purity. They were all good people. 
every one of them virgin, sanctified vessels of God. But those who had oil in their lambs went in, and the others were left out because they didn't have the oil. The prophet continues, they were all virgins, everyone, people that you couldn't put your finger on for anything wrong. They, everyone believed in the coming of the Lord. Believe in the coming of the Lord. They were ready to go meet him, but some of them left the oil, go out. He says, don't let that be your case. Keep oil in your lamp. Oil is a spirit, and the Holy Spirit, never let it drain it from you. When you feel your love dying away, your sincerity to Christ, and the cause quickly go to him who has the fountain of oil and buy for yourself a feeling of the Holy Spirit. So whenever you see the love of God drying, whenever you see that you don't have that sincerity of Christ anymore, come back to the fountain of God because he's there providing again the Holy Ghost. Amen. We need that Holy Ghost. We need that oil. We need to walk in fellowship with him. We don't want to go back. We don't want to become lukewarm. We don't want Laodicea to be upon us. We are the bride. Amen. We have to have continually our lamp trimmed because we are living in the time of the trimming of the lambs. Amen. We in the message of the Malachi 4 is the message of trimming our lambs for the oil for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Although we know that the bride is for election, but he's giving us this warning that whenever we see our love dying away, we see love for the word of God dying away, love to come into church dying away, love for reading the word of God dying away. Oh, you need to grow, go back to God. God, fill me with that love once again. Bring me that revival once again. That's why we had the special meetings. It was for God to fill us again with that revival, to quicken our heart once again. Oh God, we want the reality of the word of God in our lives. Amen. The prophet says in the rapture, says the first thing comes when he starts descending from heaven, the Lord, there is a shout. What is this? It is a message to get the people together. A message comes for first now, lamp trimming time, rise and trim your lambs. But, but what watch, what watch was that? The seventh, not the sixth. The seventh, behold, the bridegroom cometh. Rise and trim your lambs. And they did. Some of them found they didn't even have any oil in their lambs. See, but it's the lamp trimming time. It's Malachi 4 time. Malachi 4 time. The Malachi 4 message is trim your lamp. Make sure that you are, your light is shining. Make sure that you stay in connection with God. It says what he promised is Luke 17. It's Isaiah. All those prophecies that I can perfectly set in order for this day in the scripture, we see it living right there. There is no end of course. So, if the foolish virgin has rejected the anointing fullness, it must be in the time and days of Malachi 4. Because this is part, she's, she's, she's the one, she's the one who, who should have listened to that call, but she didn't listen. So she had to be, we don't find the foolish virgin, the foolish virgin in the first age, or second age, or the third age, or the fourth age. We found her in the last age because she heard the calls, but she has no lamps at all. She has no oil at all in her lamps. That's what she's part of, and that's what she's missing. So what is the atonement the scripture says? What is the atonement the scripture gives the answer? In Leviticus 17, 11, I like the answer that the scripture says. It says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. 
For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. We like that religion with the blood. So the blood is one, the blood, the blood I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for your souls. So what atones, it's not the blood that is in the veins of the animal. The blood can be in the veins of the animal. If the blood is still in the veins of the animal, it's not atoning. But it has, that blood has to be shed. That blood has to be put on the altar. It has to simplify that the life of the animal has left the animal. When you see that blood on the altar, it means that the blood is not in the vein anymore. The life has left that animal. Is now that is not that the blood is now on the altar. That's when the blood becomes efficient to atone now for the sins of the people. This is one the type in the Old Testament. And we know that the life of the animal couldn't come upon the believer. That's why it required the perfect lamb of God because his life can come back upon the believer. Amen. Are you with me this morning? As we go through that study slowly here. It says, it is the blood. But it is the blood that is shed on the altar atones, not the flesh or the spirit, but it atones the soul. It means that the life has left the sacrifice because the value of the blood is the value of the life. This shows also the value that God has for the weakest Christian. No matter who you are, no matter the background of your family, no matter what you went through, no matter the genealogy, no matter the mistake that you have done in the past, the value that God has for you is the, blood, is the value of his own blood. In order to purchase you, he had to give his own blood because he sees some value inside of you that no one else could take that is all the price of his own life. He had to give his own life in order to take you back. Oh, what's the value of that you have is the value of the life of Jesus Christ. That's the value of the bride. The prophet says, in the God provided a lamb, he says, I've often wondered what I will do if I had two drops of the literal blood of Christ that I will hold in my hand in a charger. How I would walk with it so carefully. It will take care of that, of that those two drops, of knowing that the drop, the two drops of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, it will take care of it, it will take care of it, it will, it will walk with it so carefully that it will not spill it, but I say, but I think tonight, I will say this morning, I think this morning I have in his sight greater than the two drops of the literal blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have the purchase of his blood before me, so I'm very carefully how I say, I say to the purchase of his blood. Amen. Oh, it should be for us also a reminder how we should respect one another. Because the brother and the sister, no matter their mistakes, they are the purchase of, of the blood of Jesus Christ. The value that God sees in them is greater than what we can see with our eyes. Because the sea that is inside of the heart represents God himself. Amen. The soul is worth 10,000 worlds. Amen. This flesh is just 80 cents, but the soul inside of this flesh is the life of Jesus Christ himself. So we might have mistakes in the body or in the spirit, but for a born-again Christian, there is the blood that atones the souls. In fact, in the Old Testament, the price was not the priest. No, the priest was not examining the worshiper. The priest was examining the lamb or sacrifice that the worshiper was bringing. 
The high priest is not looking at the, at, the, at the daily mistake that you make here and there if you are born again Christians because a born again Christian does not sin anymore. Sin, the sin is not, the sin is not the cheating, the, all the different things, those are just attributes of sins. Sin is the unbelief. But the born again Christians, born of the incorruptible seed of God, does not sin anymore. He cannot, he cannot disbelieve the word of God. He can only believe the word of God. Even when the word of God is rebuking him, the real Christian will say, God, I believe that the word of God, and I'm aligning myself with the word of God. That's why the prophet says, don't look at yourself. Look at your lamb. God doesn't accept you, he accepted the lamb. And the lamb took your place. Oh God, can't you see it? Not you, you are not worthy. I'm not worthy. There is none of us worthy. But you see, is he worthy? God said he accepted him. He has to accept the lamb of God. So when you are bringing the lamb of God, when my throat is a little bit itching me. <clears throat> so the brother may, may, may give me a little bit of volume so that I don't have to shout. The screaming ministers, <laughs> I have to change. So, but you see, is he worthy? God said, he accepted him, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is my son, hear him on the day of adoption. This is him. The high priest will never see you. He will see the lamb. He won't examine you. He will examine the lamb because you are born under birthright. The lamb has to die for you. Now you look at Jesus and find any fault in him. Don't look if you, if you look at Jesus and find any fault in him. Say no. Don't look at yourself. Look at him. Don't look who you are. Look who he is. Look who he is. And who he is today is the word of God revealed in our age. Amen. So you don't even believe to your own mind, to your own, uh, your own symptoms, to your own weaknesses. You look at what the word of God says about you. That you align your thought and your mind to what the word of God says about you. That's how you are going to overcome because you are looking at the word of God. It doesn't mean that you live there any kind of life. No, but you are aligning yourself with the word of God. Oh, I made this mistake, but I'm coming back to the word of God to align myself with the word of God because I'm looking to what he has done for me. I'm looking to the word of God because he has already been accepted. Amen. The life of the sacrifice is the blood, and once the blood is shed, it atones the soul of the worshiper. Do you know what the word atonement means? The word atonement is not even the literal translation of the word used in Hebrew. The English word atonement comes from a combination of English words at one meant. At one meant. It started to be used in the early 17th century. I'll just give you a little bit here. Just a little bit of literature here for a few minutes here. It started to be used in the early 16th century, denoting unity, one, or reconciliation, especially reconciliation between God and man. So in the Hebrew word, it's, the Hebrew word that is being used is called kapha, or 
kafor, which means to cover, to purge, to make reconciliations, to cover over with pitch. So apparently, this word kafar is never used in the New Testament. It was only used in the Old Testament to show the, the covering, to show the, the purging, to show the reconciliation between God and the sinner. But in the Levitical offering, the law kafar was the covering of the sins of Israel, which God passed over in anticipation of the cross of Calvary. So you will see the sin is not taking away the sins, it's just covering the sins. And when God sees the blood, he's passing over that. He's passing over that, he's not removing it, he's just passing over the sin to show that God, as, as he sees that, God reminds, he reminds God, or he shows God, he points God toward the promise of God that God is going to be fulfilled. But when the word atonement is used in the New Testament, used only at one place in King James, King James Version, Romans 5, 10, 16 says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Is the Greek word here is the catalog, just to skip here quickly here. Is reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only so, but we also join God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. And the Greek word easier is still catalogues, mean the reconciliations. So it is a different word than what it was used in the Old Testament. Reconciliation, exchanging, that word means exchanging reconciliation, exchanging equivalent values or restoration to the favor. It means restoration of the favor of God to sinners that repent and put their trust in the expiatory death of Christ. It also means adjustment of a difference. So it means there is a difference on one side, on a difference on the other side. So if you have to use that atonement, you have to make sure that on both sides they have the same weight of the same, the same, the same value on each side. Oh, it made me think of what God was thinking. He wants the, the same value on each side. He want, if God sees you, you have been, he sees you, he sees me. We were so low to the world. We were so dipped in sin. We were so cast away in sins. God has to come down to bring us back to the same level where he can bring us that we had. There is no difference between the left and the, and the right. There is no difference between the bride and the bridegroom. Amen. It reminds me of what we could see in the types of when we, when we see Ruth, Boaz could see Ruth. She was so, she came from a wrong background. She came, she came from the incest background. But Boaz, when he redeemed Ruth, he brought Ruth to the same level as Boaz was because he wanted to bring them to the atonement. He wanted to bring her to reconciliation. He brought to bring her to the same value that he has, man. Once she has been married to Boaz, you could not come and, and you could not come and try to condemn Ruth anymore. She was now the wife of Boaz. Amen. Rahab the prostitute, if you come and see Rahab the prostitute, how, how after she has been married to Solomon, the general Solomon, I don't think you will come and call her Rahab, you are the prostitute of Jericho anymore. Because she has been brought back to the same level now as an Israelite by the redemption through marriage, redemption through the atonement where you bring them to the same level. 
Oh, glory to God for the blood of Jesus Christ that has brought us to the same level as God himself. As we heard through the, through the weekend, it's, it's, not, it's not a robbery. We have not robbed. He's himself by his grace was brought us to the same level so we can accomplish the fullness of the atonement. So the dictionary says atonement is a reparation for a wrong of injury is a reconciliation of God and mankind through Jesus Christ. Give me one second here. Just switch him off, I just want. Do you love him? Yeah. Oh, ask the switch that. If you remember the sermon of Brother Paul Jackson, he says, unfortunately, if you remember that, I'll just try to summarize in a few words here. He says, unfortunately, the word atonement is sometimes used when the word expiation should be used or the other word propitiation should be used. We almost always use these words inter interchangeably because expiation, and I like the way he expresses it, the atonement has basically two parts. The same way as in Exodus, there's two parts. Exodus has two parts when you're coming out and there is a coming in. If you just come out of the denominations, you come out of the denominations, but you don't go in Christ, you are missing the exodus. You are staying in the middle of the wilderness. You need to come out of denominations, of the mind of denomination, and come into Christ and stay into Christ. So the atonement has two parts. There is one part where there is the paying of the price, which is the expiation. You are paying the price, which is called expiation. And the restoration of the relationship with God, which is the propitiations. So he's paying the price, but he's not just paying the price. And you say, he paid the price for me 2,000 years ago. That's, that's good, and that's, not, that's good, that's more than enough. It's because he paid, not in part, but completely. But there is a second part to it where you have to come into relationship with him. You have to be born into Christ. You have to have a relationship with Christ. The same way for the redemption, there are two parts. There's the paying out of the price, but there is also a claiming out of what you paid for. You cannot come and if you are a married person and said, my wife, you know, I bought what you asked me in Walmart. I paid for it, but I left it over there. She's not going to be very happy. You paid for it, and you go, you claim it, and you bring it at home. That's what Christ has done. He paid for us, but now he has come. We are in the cycle of his coming to claim us to himself for the full redemption. So on Calvary tree, he paid the price. There's never been a day like that day. The price is fully paid. It was the expiation. On the day of the resurrection, Jesus said that he has not yet ascended for the expiation to be accepted 
And I think brother, I think, I think brother, brother Paul Dirksen put that, and he put, he put that as well, and show how in John 20, 16, 17, Jesus said unto her, Mary, she turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not ascended to my father, but go to my brethren, say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. The prophet also confirms that, that Jesus Christ, after the resurrection, after paying the price, after the resurrection, he, he, he could not be touched before he ascended to the Father first. Right. And there are two ascensions. Amen? The prophet in the resurrection of Jesus says, I think one of the greatest scriptures that that's more neglected than any scripture I know of being preached on is the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he did after his resurrection. He did not sit down on the tomb after the resurrection because his work wasn't completed. It wasn't finished. And the ones at the grave, the morning, were forbidden to even touch him. But that night, they were bidden to come feel his hand. He forbid his mother to touch him and said, I have not yet ascended unto my father, my God, and yours. And he had not yet, he would not, he, he would not ready to do this, his great high priest work at that time. He had just been anointed. When he was here on earth, he lived a life and made himself a little lower than the angel in order to take away sin. Just think that who he was, he was the Logos that came from God in the beginning. He was the word of God. So he could not be touched because he had to ascend it first and be accepted. In the type, in the type if you look in Exodus, in Leviticus 16, Leviticus 16, 6, 11, 12, the Bible says Aaron should offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house. 11, and Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. He shall take a censer full of the burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord, and his hands full of the sweet incense beaten small, and bring it within the veil." So if you see in the types here on that day of the atonement, on that day of the atonement, Aaron the high priest has to bring the bullock as a sin offering for his, for his own sins first. He has to bring for his own feast within the veil, which is a type of the ascension of Jesus Christ behind the veil. Jesus Christ did not have any sin for himself. He did not sin. He was the perfect lamb of God. But he bore our sins, your sins and my sins. He became sin on our behalf. He took sin upon himself. He became sin on our behalf. Now he had, now he had to go again in the presence of the Father in order for him to be accepted. The atonement was not yet completed yet until he becomes accepted. So that the first ascension behind the veil, he went with the blood of Bullock of a sin offering as a sin offering for the atonement of Aaron himself, the high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, the high priest, that's what he did. But as he ascended on high, he broke the heavens and all the atmospheres so our prayer can reach the Father. 
So that first ascension is for him to be accepted, but also to break all the heavens and break all the atmosphere so that our prayers could be accepted. As he broke all the atmosphere, it was not only to allow for the saints who will be who was resurrected with him and will go with him for the second ascension, but he also so that the heavens could be open so that when you and I we are praying, God can hear our prayer as a son and daughter of God. Amen. The prophet says so in the mighty conqueror. There is so little of this ascension. It's one of the greatest day. And when he ascended up, because all the earth since the day of the garden of Eden, the sin was committed. All heavens were shut off from mankind. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. That's right. Why art thou fallen from heaven on Lucifer? No man could see into glory. You might think about it. No man could see into glory. But now the way is open. The veil is open. We can see the mercy seat in plain view. <laughs> oh, because of the Lord Jesus Christ. No man could understand because the power is just above. Heaven means atmosphere above. And then all this power are shut off from mankind because of sin. Now in type, am I going too fast? I hope I don't want to lose you. But I hope you're following me. Amen. Just a type. Fellowshipping around the revealed word of the hour. The second assumption is Leviticus 17, 15, 16. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil. In the same chapter, on that same day, now he has to kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil. And do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock, and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat, and before the mercy seat, he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel, because of their transgression in all their sins, so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of the uncleanness." So now for the second assumption, he has to kill the goat of the sin offering in order to go again behind the veil and sprinkle that blood in front of the mercy seat on the mercy seat first and in front of the mercy seat. He has to sprinkle seven times for the seven church ages representing even the church age where we are living in. Not only for Ephesus, but he's sprinkling that for Ephesus. He's bringing that for, 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 for the second age of Arenas. He's bringing this that for, the, for Pergamos. He's bringing that for Territoria, for Sardis, for Philadelphia, for Laodicea. Because nothing can touch the bride while she's in that covenant with God. And it says... For that offering of the goat, there were two goats, the one that has to be killed and the other one that has to be released, that we call the scapegoat. Leviticus 17, 7, 10 says, You shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. <clears throat> By the goat on which the Lord fell to be the scapegoat shall, scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. 
21. And Aaron shall lay both his hand upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquity of the children of the Israel and all the transgression in all their sins, putting them, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all the iniquities into a land not inhabited. He shall let go the goat in the wilderness. Oh, praise be to God. The prophet says when he's giving the interpretation of this, he says some people think that the scapegoat was the devil and everything like that. He says, no, the scapegoat was Christ also. The two types of goat, the two goats represent Christ. It's not a different person. It represents Christ. In the living, dying, burying, rising, the prophet says, in the scripture of the Old Testament, at the sin offering, when they go to God, Jesus represented both of them, and they represented him, rather. One God was killed, the other of the sin of the nation was placed upon the God called the scapegoat. That God had to go out in the wilderness to die and to be out there alone among the beasts and so forth. Jesus has to be that God. I want you to notice, he was a lamb. Yes. He was a sheep. But he was made God for you and I. Think about it. He was made God for you and I. He took, he bore our sins. He was a sheep, but he was, too, he was made God for you and I. That we being God might become sheep. <laughs> but, but he made, made God for you and I. We being sinners, guilty of death, subject to death, and all sold out under condemnation. Yet Christ became me that I, though through his grace, might become him a son of God, seated at the high hand, at the high, the right hand of God in glory. I want to think about it. I'm wondering why the foolish virgin had to reject the, reject the atonement. The atonement is so amazing that you can change. You as sinners have been changed into the very righteousness of God by God's grace. So what does the scapegoat mean? Jesus was representing both. He says, he took, dying he saved me, buried he carried away my sins away. He took the sins of the people upon himself and carried them plumb down into the lowest of headers. He was the sin offering. He had the sins of the people. He died for them and also the sins was placed upon him. And he took our sins far away so far that God could never see them no more. Think about it. That the scapegoat was, was, was cast out in the wilderness to see him no more. So Jesus Christ took our sins far away that God cannot remember them anymore. The God who is almighty can never remember the sin that you just committed a few minutes ago. When you come in his presence and say, God, forgive me. I accept the blood of Jesus Christ as a substitution for my sins. God can never remember them anymore. They are out of the eyes of God. They are paralyzed. They are divorced. They are put away. God don't remember them no more. The church ought to rejoice this morning to know that our sins will no more be remembered. They are put in the sea of forgetfulness into the grave of beyond any resurrection. 
scapegoat was put so much far away that he could never come back into the city anymore. It is put away from any remembrance. Think about it. In the time of the old atonement under the law, still God could have the ability of not remembering the sin of the people of God because he gave them a way that they could cover that under that scapegoat. How much more under the blood of the perfect Lamb of God, God will never remember the sins of the bride. They are dead forever and forgotten about. There is... They are as if they never happened. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. He carried them so far to the heaven. They went into the sea of forgetfulness. Oh, we know that those things are most sure. Believe them among us. They are most surely the truth. They are God's truth. All those great things were beyond human expression. We can never express our gratitude for such things. So we understand that in the evening time, the atonement is not only the first part of paying the price, which is the expiation. There are also many foolish virgins who are living in a pure religious life and have accepted the historical event of Calgary, but they're missing the second part of the atonement, a relationship with Christ. So what is the true atonement? Notice this part is important. The seventh trumpet, the prophet said in the feast of the trumpet, the first trumpet of Israel is the same as the seven seals to the church. He says this, paragraph 155, says, Notice now exactly the continuity of the scripture, exactly the same. Under the seventh trumpet is to the Israel the same as the seventh seal was to the church. So if you want to see what the seven seals is doing to the church, if you look at the seven trumpet, what it's doing to Israel, or what it will do to Israel, you have an idea of what the seven seals is doing to the bride right now. And if you do look at what the seven seals is doing to the bride right now, it might give you also the glimpse of what it will do for the seven, under the seven trumpet for Israel. The prophet continues in the feast of the trumpet, says, the feast of the atonement followed the feast of the trumpet. Now notice, a trumpet sounded and that was to gather them together. Now the first trumpet blowed and that was hail, blood, fire spread upon the earth, just exactly like it was in Egypt, making ready to call them to the day of the atonement. Call to the feast of the atonement. What? To recognize the atonement. So they will have the trumpet, blowing seven trumpet, for them to come to the gathering. Why? To recognize the true atonement. As it was promised to them in Zechariah 12, 10, I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have peace, and they shall mourn for him as one mourner for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. So it's not a rekilling. 
It's not a rekilling. It's not a, not a rekilling of the lamb anymore. Otherwise, it will break the scriptures as Moses broke the scripture in the types when he smote the rock twice because the rock would only be smitten once. So he broke the scripture back then. And God, God had to rebuke him for that. So it won't be another rekilling, but it will be a spirit of grace and supplications. Grace upon the bride again. It has to be grace upon Israel. Prophet says in the Feast of the Trumpet, Leviticus 16, it's exactly a parallel to it. That's what we just read. Only in this place it called Israel to mourn for their sins. How perfect it is today. It's not the rekilling of it, which is more symbolized by striking the rock the second time. It didn't work. Not a killing of a feast, but a mourning of rejecting in the atonement. Oh my, this will be the trumpet, the feast be rejected then the Messiah made known. So what does the Feast of the Atonement is saying as referred to by the prophet in Leviticus 16? Listen to what it's saying. Leviticus 16, 29, 31, the Bible says this, And this shall be a statute forever unto you, that in the seventh month, on the seventh day of the month, which is a type of Revelation 10, 7, you shall afflict your souls and do work at all, whether it be one of your country or a stranger that surgeon among you. For on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you to cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It shall be a Sabbath of rest unto you. It shall afflict, you shall afflict your souls by statute forever. As you look in the type here, you see what is representing. You see the typing for the seventh trumpet. It is also a, a type of what is going to happen for the bride under the seven seals. And what is the seven seals? Is Revelation 10, 7. Seven seals, but in the day of the voice of the seventh angel, when it shall begin to sound, the mystery of God shall be finished as he has declared of his servant to the prophet. What is the mystery of God? God in you, the hope of glory. Brother Moses, so do you want to say that? Is there any quote of the prophet confirming that? Listen to what the prophet says. In Revelation 11, in the Feast of the Prophet, he says in Revelation 11, paragraph 244, 274, in Revelation 11, call, the ministry will be the ministry of Moses and Elias calling to Israel out of the Jewish traditions. So Moses and Elisha will call them out of the Jewish traditions. Just as the seventh angel's message called the bride out of the Pentecostal traditions. Another Exodus, he called you out of the Pentecostal traditions. Remember, Moses and Elijah is to call Israel out of the old atonement of the lamb and sheep and blood and goats and sacrifices to the real living sacrifice to the word. So it's bringing them back to the word because Christ is the word. Then 2.75. And the seventh angel message under the same trumpet, same everything exactly, the same seal is to what? Is to call the people, the bride, out of the Pentecostal and the world tradition to the genuine atonement, the word. Christ impersonated in the word here, made flesh among us. Bride of Jesus Christ, have you accepted the word of God made flesh among us? You have been pointed to the 
genuine atonement of our day. To reject that genuine atonement of our day, you are rejecting the atonement in its fullness. You become a candidate of a foolish version, but you are a wise version because you want that atonement. You want the bleeding word. You want the word of God in your life to cleanse you and to wash you. The prophet says, so to the genuine atonement, the word Christ impersonating his word here made flesh among us. Science has proved it by the, by the picture. The church knows it. The world around, we firmly know it. For it's never told us one thing in that saved the Lord, but what being the truth. Did he not say down that on the river, as John the Baptist was sent, so will the messenger report that? That's what he said. The prophet didn't finish that. This explains why the prophet could say, the foolish virgin reject the atonement in its fullness because Revelation 10:7 reveals the genuine atonement, the word, the bleeding word. It doesn't replace, replace Jesus Christ. It's if Jesus Christ, the full, full man, the word, but in order to have access to the full word, to the full work of the blood of Jesus Christ, you have to believe the bleeding word of your age. So it is not another killing. It is the revelation of the understanding of the true atonement, the same way the true prophet will reveal to the Jews. Not another killing, not another person, but the true understanding of the true atonement. The prophet says in the seven seals, do you love the word? Now, we are into the age of the eagle, the revelation to be revealed, the whole thing. Now compare this to Revelation, the 10th chapter, verse 1 to 10. We are here in the revelation, the revelation here, 10, 1 to 7, that in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel message was to finish all the mysteries of God. Remember how the prophet is putting emphasis, the seventh angel message. Then, down on 388 says the first thing was that sleeping virgin had to go through the tribulation period for purification she had to be purged of her sins of unbelief and rejecting the message why she's going tribulation because of the sin of unbelief and for rejecting the message you rejected the, the, the atonement in its fullness you reject the message the same way as you reject the message. If you reject the message, it means you are rejecting the atonement into fullness. Amen. This was done in the tribulation period. We see she wind out over here in Revelation 7, between 6 and 7 chapter, that she had been purged and she had been given her robes. Now, she's not the bride, but she's the church, the pure people that didn't have the opportunity maybe to receive the message or in some way they were blinded by this false prophet. They didn't get a chance or yet they're really sincere in their heart. God knows their heart and they are purged during this time. Amen. Because they didn't have access to the atonement in fullness. Rejecting the word of God of your age, will even make the blood of Jesus Christ be against you. 
You might say, no, I believe the blood of Jesus Christ and washed me and everything. But do you believe the word for your age? Because if you don't believe the word of your age, the same blood of Jesus Christ will be against you. The prophet says, and what shall we do if Jesus Christ called Christ? If I think of the hour that I could say on this long time, but you got a meeting coming, believe I'm going to say today. If we don't watch, he is on our hands of we Americans. Think of it. I say this not for anger. I say this for light. I say that the blood of Jesus Christ is on the hands of the American church today. The blood of Jesus Christ is on American whole. On America whole, the blood of Jesus Christ is against the Methodist, the Presbyterian, the Lutheran, the Pentecostals. It's on the hand, it's on the hand of all of us. Let's see if it is now. Think of it, the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh my. As Pilate that day, it reminds me of three ways that Pilate tried to get it off his hand. Pilate, he tried all these three ways to get it off his hand, but he failed. There is only one way to take it off of your hand. Even us this morning, there is only one way to take off the blood of Jesus Christ of your hand. We must face the issue. We know it here, for his word has been identified by the scripture evidence. The word promised for the day is made flesh, even the evil part of refusing Jesus Christ and him in this Laodicean age on the outside of the church, we know that the truth. Think of it, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, on our hands. That scares me to think of it, to run through it. It sends chills to think that the blood of Jesus Christ is on our hands. Paragraphs 142. Now, as an individual, I'm going to ask you, what will you do with this anointed word, which is Christ? The word that was promised for this day. What will you do with the word of God? Anointed word which is Christ. The word that was promised for this day. 145. Don't try to do it. Don't let your hand be like Pilate. No. He should have accepted him in his heart. That the only way you can get him off of your hands is to take him in your heart. How can you take the blood of Jesus Christ from your hands? Take the message of the hour, put it in your heart. Lord, I want my heart to be the altar for the word of God. Let the word of God be born inside of my heart. Then the blood of Jesus Christ is not going to be against me, but it will be for me. It will be atoning for me for my sins. It will be interceding for my sins. The blood of Jesus Christ, the bleeding word for your age. Amen. The prophet said in the invisible union of the bride, he says, your first wedding, it was annulled. In other words, when you accept the word of your God in your heart, the bleeding word is interceding on your behalf, and the full effect of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is working for you. Amen. And the full effect is the first wedding is being now annulled because you believe the word of the hour. Listen to what he says. You never done it in the first place because there is only one thing that could do it that will do be God come down himself and look your place in the form of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and wash you by the water of the washing of the water by the word. 
The word, not the denominations, the word washed you. The word washed you. I used to live in sins. I used to live in trespasses. I used to go this way. But the word of God has washed me. The bleeding word has changed me. The bleeding word has changed my mind. What is doing that? The full atonement again in exercise for age. But you... But if you don't stand in the water of the word, how are you going to be washed? You are still as spotted as Eve was because of the first birth. And dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. What is sin? Sin is unbelief. Unbelief in what? The word. Unbelief in God, which is the word. Pure and adulterated, oh hallelujah, living soon for the skies, amen, standing ready, think, your garment washed by the word of the bleeding word, the word become blood. The word bled for you, and you are washed in the bleeding word, the word bleeding, the life of God in the word, and the word was bled for you, that you might be washed from the filth of this prostitute, and be cleansed and sanctified by the washing of the word of the word, and makes your mind and your heart stay on God and on his word. How could you do that? It's the bleeding word that is washing me. It's the bleeding word that is cleansing me. It's the bleeding word that is making me ready for the rapture. Once you are born again of the, of the bleeding word, it's not you anymore. It's not even your potentials anymore. It's God's potential now working in your life. Glory to God. My voice is going. Let me. Can mute me again, please? When you have a big nose. So, sorry for that, but it's my joke for my wife. <laughs> the bleeding word. Prophet says, The other one is called my father's house. I'll go and prepare a place for you, take you out of this best house and deliver you in my father's house. There you are, take you out of this old earthly past house. Is gone to prepare a place, a perfect place where no evil exists, no sickness exists, no old age exists, no death exists. It's a perfect place called you to that perfection and you have to be perfected to get there. That's what we are living. You are living in an age because we are going into the rapture. Amen. How are we going to go into the rapture? Because I have received the word for my time and the word is changing me, making me ready for the rapture. When the bride recognizes who she is, she recognizes her position, the rapture will go. The rapture, you are the rapture. You are the resurrection because you have accepted the atonement in its fullness in your age. Not by your own capacity, but by God's grace. The word is washing you. Amen. The prophet says, because you have to stand and be married to a perfect son of God and you must be a perfect bride. 
So how can you do it through anything else but the perfect word of God? Which is the waters of separation that washes us from all our sins. Amen. That's right. The blood of Jesus Christ. Think of it. The dripping bloody word. The atonement is the blood of Jesus Christ on the altar. Amen. Which is the bleeding word for our age. The blood, the word of God, bleeding blood to wash the bride in. Amen. Yes, sir, she stands perfect, virgin, unadulterated. She never sinned in the first place. She never sinned in the first place. Amen. She was trapped into it. There, the father's house that she's gone to prepare. This one come by sex and from the fall and must fall by the fall. No matter how much you patch the whole thing up, she's going to fall anyhow. No matter how you try to arrange it, she's done because she's doomed because God said so. She's finished. God is going to destroy it. He said so. But there will be a renovation for the whole thing. You believe that? There is a bride that is pure by the word of God. So the purpose of the full atonement of the wise bride is because you have to stand and be married to a perfect son of God and you must be a perfect bride. So for the seventh age, for the seventh day, it is required to have a relationship, a reconciliation part of the atonement. It was paid, but now the reconciliation part of the atonement, the marriage part of the atonement. As he came back on the day of Pentecost, as God came back in the day of Pentecost, they should have grasped the fulfillment. These are my notes, not the prophet. They should have grasped the fulfillment of the second part of the atonement, the reconciliation part of it. Paul has espoused them to Christ, the atonement, but, because, but before Christ could come to them, Ephesus lost its first love. They did not come to the full maturity of the atonement. But God promised that he will restore. He will send the message of Malachi 4 to restore the first love. To restore the full maturity of the atonement. In the seventh age, there will be a bride who will come to the full maturity of it. That Eve will not fail and she will not fall. She will go into the rapture. That's you and me, brothers and sisters. The feast of the trumpet, the prophet, the prophet says, Oh my, the Holy Spirit has been bound by the denominations all these 2,000 years. 243. The Holy Spirit has been bound by these denomination rivers for almost 2,000 years. But it is to be loosed in the evening time by the evening time message. The same Holy Ghost that came down has been bound, but now the message of the hour is loosening the, the Holy Ghost now to work into the bride. Oh, praise be to God. The Holy Spirit back in the church again, Christ himself revealed in human flesh. In the evening time, he said, he promised it. Amen. 
as you are listening to the word of God, as I'm preaching here, this can never be preached in denominations. As you are listening to it and saying amen to the word of God, God is healing you from your diseases. God is interceding on your behalf. God is saying, you see my daughter, you see my son. She's accepting the word for her age. I'm going to bring back her family. I'm going to work on her behalf. I'm going to defend her. I'm going to cast out the enemy. I'm going to give her deliverance because she's my bride. She's part of me. I'm giving her the full atonement for age. That's the word of the hour, brothers and sisters. Rapturing faith comes by the word of the hour, brothers and sisters. The scripture the prophet is referring for the virgin, foolish virgin, is Matthew 25. Let's read 10 to 12. It says, while they went to buy the foolish virgin, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. So the foolish virgin, they're missing this part. Even the Bible doesn't say, I'll, I'll back up here, I'll go there, but First of all, they didn't have the oil. The oil represents the Holy Ghost. It's the token, it's, the literal, it's not the literal blood or the physical blood or the chemical blood only, but it's the literal life of the shed blood of the perfect Lamb of God that is back on the worshiper again. That's the fullness of the atonement. The first thing, they missed the oil. That's in that relationship. They missed the oil. They didn't have the oil. They didn't have the token. When he comes, he wants to find the token. The prophet says, God is requiring the token that you yourself have received this token is Holy Ghost. That's the only way. That's the only sign that God will ever pass because it is the literal life of Jesus Christ returning back into the believer. And one place the prophet says, that I believe that now there is a believer who can, be, who can live a life above sin. You can now believe in the word of God and live a life above sin, above unbelief. You have to believe the whole word of God. And the word of God, God is working in your life to the things of the world that you used to love. You don't love them anymore. What is doing that is the Holy Ghost in your life working himself through you. In the same message, the token says, Now how could there be a more perfect sacrifice than God himself? Becoming in the atonement himself. When God was made flesh in his own creative blood, the only way that the life of God could ever come back. 137, the token. When I see the token, I will pass over you. It's God's requirement of the hour. The evening time message is to apply the token. The message of the hour is to apply the token. The message of the hour is to give you the literal life of Jesus Christ once again in the believer. That's the message of the hour. Glory to God. The token for this age brings you in the fellowship phase of the atonement. It's the evening time message. Without the token, the wrath of God will be upon the person. Amen. Amen. He says another place in adoption says, By faith are you saved that your faith in God, the blood keeps you clean from sin, but it makes you a sacrifice. The blood doesn't save you. The blood keeps you clean. 
What are you saved? By faith are you saved. And by God's foreknowledge calling you, you are saved and the blood makes you an atonement. So when you are reading the message, you have to understand the language of the prophet. When he's using the atonement, sometimes he's using it as expiations, but sometimes he's using it as, as a propitiation, as that relationship that you have with God. So you have to understand which context he's talking here. So the blood makes an atonement for you. It means it makes you an expiation for you, constantly keeping you clean. Clean. But then by one spirit, you are baptized into the Holy Ghost, into the fellowship of the believers. It means into that relationship of the believers, into that fellowship of the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. The foolish version cannot come into that fellowship of the believers. They cannot come into that fellowship of the Holy Spirit. But the wise version... The bride of the last age, when she received the word of the hour, and she's born again of the Holy Spirit, she comes into that fellowship with the Holy Spirit. God provided the approach to divine fellowship, but he took the blood of the, to the mercy seat, and only he alone could go in once a year. But when Jesus died on the day of the atonement, he rent the veil in two, not only the high priest, but whosoever will may come in, in any time into the Shekinah glory of God by the baptism of the Holy Ghost into a real Pentecostal fellowship, into a place in the presence of God where the power of God cleanses us from all unrighteousness. What is doing that? The token is putting you the fellowship with God in the presence of God. The token is not a third person, it's God himself into the believer. Deity once again into the believer. God working into the believer. The unveiling of God is God into the bride, as we heard on the weekend. The foolish version has no access to that. <laughs> oh, glory to God. We become new creatures in Christ Jesus. The Holy Ghost falls upon us. And all our backwardness... Shameless. We become into a relationship with God. Isn't the church the bride? Well, shouldn't the bride be bringing forth children crying, Abba, Father? What is the matter? Oh, and then it goes on and God says, we don't have grandchildren. We only have sons and daughters of God. Amen. Amen. So when, let me come back now to Matthew 25, 10. So they missed the token. Now while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. The door was shut. So now the bridegroom came and went in with the wise virgin to the marriage. They did not go right away to the wedding supper. They don't go right away to the wedding supper because the marriage is happening right now. Behind the shut doors. While the rapture will go to the wedding supper, the marriage is happening right now. There is an invisible union happening right now with the wise bride. There is something happening. It's part of the anointing. It's part of the atonement. It's part of the atonementfulness. Something is happening right now. As you are hearing the word of God, say amen to the word of God. Something is happening in your heart right now. What is it? It's God uniting to you. The prophet says, It's the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, will come down in the providing his word. Come down in human flesh among us and will make his word so real that you will unite the church and him as one, the bride. Then she will go home to the wedding supper. 
She's already united. We go to the wedding supper, not to the marriage. You see, of the flesh of mighty men. Because the marriage of the Lamb has come. But the rapture is going to the wedding supper. Then the word here unites with the person and they too become Christians. Have you received the ministry of the Son of Man made flesh in our age? Let me tell you, you are a candidate for that, that union, that, that uniting that's happening right now. It's something, it's, a, it's not in the public. It's a secret place between you and him. Yeah. When you go in the chamber, you are praying and measuring the word of God, reminding him the word of the age, telling God, I'm your bride. I believe the word of God. I believe Revelation 10. I believe Revelation, all Revelation 10. God, I'm uniting myself with the word of God. I want to remind you the subject this morning is the atonement in the fullness. The fullness of the atonement. The door is shut. It's not a public show. It's at one moment. At one moment. It's a union at one moment. It's a moment of being one with God. That's what is the atonement. It's at one moment, a oneness moment with God. That's the marriage. Why is the marriage relationship so important? One time God has visited Abraham and Sarah in their tent and Sarah lied to Elohim by denying that he did, that, that she did not laugh at the promise of God. God could have killed Sarah right away. But he looked at Abraham he says, and, looked at, and looked at Abraham and looked at Sarah. Sarah is part of Abraham. They are part of the same marriage. So I cannot kill Sarah otherwise I will be killing a part of Abraham. Every time that we make a mistake, God could have killed us right away. But God is looking in the seed inside of you. He sees that the one is part of him. God cannot kill you because if he kills you, he'll be killing himself. That's why the marriage with the word of God is so important. Glory to God. The prophet says, poor little Sarah can Kindly weak in faith, but in them days the circumcision of the man brought the man in the woman in also. For only the circumcision could be recognized before God. The female could not be circumcised. Therefore, the husband was the atonement for her. Abraham was the atonement for Sarah. Christ is the atonement for the bride because she's part of the bride, Christ himself. She's part of the bridegroom. Come into that relationship, shut the door behind you, and stay in that inner veil with him because you are part of him. Because they are one. Abraham's faith held Sarah at that time. When you are weak, God's faith is holding you. <laughs> Glory to God. Haman could have had a chance over Esther if she was just a single Jew there, woman. She was walking around. She couldn't have any authority. But once she came and reminded, she, actually she came to that process because she was thinking maybe I'm just, I'm just like a concubine over there. But once she came into the presence of the king and the king reminded her, reconciled her to her. He put them to that exchange where she was low. He brought her back to the place where she is. And when she recognized that she was the queen, now she could ask whatever she had in need of. And Haman could not have any authority upon her because she was part of the relationship of marriage. The king was the atonement for Esther. Amen. Now, you, when you come back 
to the position recognizing that you are the queen of the Lord Jesus Christ, he becomes your atonement. Now the accuser becomes the accused. Amen. The sickness that is trying to destroy you becomes now the accused in the presence of the king. Why? Because you are part of the atonement in fullness in our time. Reconciled to him. Glory to God. It's right there in the scripture. Matthew 25, 10, 11. Afterward came also the other virgin saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. I don't have any relationship with you. I cannot defend you. I don't know you. To the foolish virgin, I don't know you. But to the bride, I know you. I have a relationship with you. I know who you are. I know your name. Your name is actually my name. I gave you part of myself. You have been reconciled to me. Amen. I know you. Amen. It is a personal relationship with God. It is the same word to know there is the know of the marriage relationship. The same word that is used in Matthew 7, 7, 21, 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of heaven, but he that doth the will of my Father which is in heaven. The bride is doing the will. How do you know the will? The word of God has been revealed to you. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In that name, we have, have we cast out devils? In that name, down, down, we have done many wonderful works. Then I will confess unto them. He didn't deny what they've done. They've done great works. The foolish virgin, they will do great works. They will do wonderful works. They are doing their great works, and we thank God for those works. But there is one thing that they're missing, that relationship with God. And he replied to them, profess unto them, I never knew you. But he knows the bride. He knows you. He knows me. How does he know you? He knew before the foundation of the world. He put your name in the Lamb's book of life. You are part of him. You can never be lost as God can never be lost. You are part of the bridegroom. So, you can only be reconciled to God based on the message of your age. Do you want salvation in the time of Joseph? You need to accept the atonement that was provided at that time through Joseph. Do you need to be reconciled to God in time of Moses? Take the message of Moses because that's where the atonement was. Be under the token. Do you want to receive the atonement, the salvation in time of Joshua? Like Rahab, be under the reconciliation, the atonement provided by the messenger of the hour. Do you want to be part of the salvation in this last age? <laughs> receive the end time message that has been given to you. It's part of the atonement for your age. No wonder Paul could say, we have received the ministry of reconciliations. I'll be winding down. 2 Corinthians 5, 18, 21. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliations. If we could put that, we could say the ministry of the atonement. To wit that God was in Christ atoning or reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing the trespasses unto them, but have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. We have received the word of reconciliation, the word of the atonement. We have received. 
And now we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. That's my message this morning. Be reconciled to God. Are you going out of the, of the message of the hour? Come back to the message of the hour. Be reconciled with God. Be reconciled with the message of the hour. It's there to bring reconciliation to, with you to God. For we had made him to be seen for us who knew not sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. To part of the atonement. It was made sin so that we might become part of the righteousness of God. The prophet will give the interpretation of this verse in the exposition of the seven church ages. No man knows the things of God save the Spirit of God and he to whom the Spirit of God reveals them. We need to call on God for revelation more than anything else in the world. We have accepted the Bible. We have accepted the great truths of it. But it's, it still is not real to most people because the revelation by the, script, by the Spirit is not there. The word has not been quickened. I pray that God will quicken that word to us this morning. That coming out of this place, you realize who you are, more who you are. Sons and daughters of God, the Queen of Christ, the anointed word of the hour. Knowing that you have no sin, the devil will try to point to you anything. You point him to Calvary. You point him to the word of the hour. You point that you are a believer walking in fellowship with the husband. The prophet says, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that we have become the righteousness of God by our union with Jesus Christ. It is by our union, by our relationship, by our marriage to Jesus Christ. Did you get it? It says that we are the very righteousness of God himself by being in Christ. It says that he, Jesus, became sin for us, first part of the atonement. It does not say he became sinful, but he became sin for us that by our union, the second part of the atonement, by our union with him, we might become the righteousness of God. If we accept the fact, and we must, that the, we literally became sin for us by his substitute, substitution by us, then we must also accept the fact that we, by our union with him, we become the very righteousness of God. Why? Because to reject one is to reject the other. To accept the one is to accept the other. Now we know the Bible says that it can't be denied, but the revelation of it is missing. It's not real to the majority of God's children. It is just a good verse in the Bible, but we need to have it made alive to us. That will take revelation. It takes revelation to take the other part of the atonement. Many people stay with only one part of the atonement. Oh, Christ died for me. Christ died for that for me. But we need that God give us more revelation in this age. And he has sent the message of the hour in this age to bring us in the union with Christ. And to give us the revelation to understand that we have become now the very righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. Not your own righteousness, but his righteousness through you by Jesus Christ. The enemy comes, he cannot put any charge over you. Whatever it is, cannot be any charge to you. If you have confessed your sin and believed the word of God, now your sins of the past is put away. You are back in unity with Christ himself, walking with him. 
No, you can come with boldness in the presence of God and ask him anything you have need of because you have been brought back in relationship with God. What belongs to him belongs to you too. You are part of him now. Even the word reconciliation was mentioned in Leviticus 16. 16, 29, 20. He shall sprinkle the blood upon it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and hallow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. And when he had made an hand of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Here it shows like the life God is coming after we've reconciled. But just to show in the types, as I said at the beginning, it looks like it takes the life God after coming out of the holy of the holies. I believe he was trying to say, once the script, the sacrifice has been made, accepted, you have to be reconciled with God. Even the type of the law before the perfect lamb was given could not remember sins anymore. You have now access the whole benefit of the full atonement if you believe your word of your age. What are the full benefits of the full atonement? Hebrews 9, 11 tell. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hand, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and, and, and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place have obtained eternal redemption for us. Your redemption is not partial. Your redemption is eternal redemption. Yet no beginning, yet no hand. God already thought of you from the very beginning of the ages. But now he's just in the process of unveiling himself. Unveiling himself. And yourself, you see yourself, oh, that redemption is actually me. It's part of me. I'm part of that eternal redemption of God. Because you have accepted the full atonement for your age. And you know who you are. May God bless you this morning. Let's give a hand to the Lord this morning. Glory to God. Musicians can come. As I come, let me just read this. The prophet says, The unconditional covenant that God made with his people, you are the covenant people of God. God tore Christ apart at Calvary, making the covenant, swearing by himself. He took the body up in Christ and will return someday. By the Spirit, he gave back to lead the church. The same life that was in Christ Jesus is in the church tonight by the Holy Ghost, doing, acting, performing the same thing he did when he was here on earth. You have received it. You've got the covenant. It is written to you, so by God. You can't fail. <laughs> you cannot fail. That makes the devil mad. Sure does. It makes the devil mad. But when you realize who you are, it makes the devil mad when we realize who we are. When we see the picture becoming more and more clear. Oh, I see myself. It's me. Mama, it's me. The healing is for me, Mama. I see myself in the scripture. It's me. Redemption is for me. 
The Holy Ghost is for me. The salvation of my children is for me. Mama, I see myself in the Word of God. It's written of me. It's for me. Every promise in the book is mine. Amen. Every promise in the book is mine. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. Let's stand together. I am trusting in His love divine. Every promise in the book is mine. Oh, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I am trusting. Saying, yeah, I will not be denied because you are part of him. I will not be denied. When pangs of death seize on my soul, let's stand together. Those who can, Lord, I cry till Jesus came and made me.
Satan said my Lord was gone and would not hear my prayer. What oh, praise the Lord, the work is done. Do you believe that? And Christ the Lord. Hallelujah. I would not be denied. Jesus Christ, thank you for your grace, thank you for your mercy, thank you for the word of the hour. We glorify your name. Thank you, Jesus Christ. We love you, Father. Just go to the Lord in prayer. Just think about what he has done for you. The music is playing softly. Lord, we thank you, Father. Lord, we love you. We glorify your name. We thank you, Lord, for the word. We thank you for the unveiling of the word of God. We thank you for the fullness of the atonement. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the bleeding word. We thank you, Father, for the faith of the rapture. We thank you, Father, for being accepted in you. We thank you for the healing, Lord. We thank you for the token, Father. We thank you for our family. We thank you for touching our heart. We thank you for changing us, Lord. We thank you for transforming us, Father. We thank you for washing us completely, Lord. More and more we are transformed the image of the Son of God, the image of the Word of the hour. Lord, we want to tell you how much we love you. You are husband. You chose us. We didn't choose you. You chose us, Father. We want to say we love you, Father. We want to live for you. We want to rededicate our lives for you, Father. We want to align ourselves. Every time the word of God says, we say amen. Whatever the word says, we want to say amen, Father. Oh, is there anyone who wants to say, God, I want to live for you this morning. Lord, I want to rededicate my life for you this morning. Lord, I see what you have done for me. Father. Lord, you chose me. You, you, you died for me. You have sent the word of God to bring me in the relationship with you. You are defending me like the king defended Esther. Lord, I want to be part of you, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. 
Father, Lord Jesus Christ, this morning, I just want to commit your bride, ourselves, to you, Lord. We give you the glory and the honor. Thank you for accepting us. We have already been accepted to you, Lord. Father, Lord Jesus, thank you for forgiving our sins, our trespasses. Thank you for pointing us to you, Father, not to ourselves, but to you, Lord. You are the author of our salvation. We give you the glory and the honor, Father. Lord, if there is any need among us, Father, oh God, you said everything that is contained in the atonement is a personal property of the believer, Father. This morning, we want to claim everything that is contained in the atonement, whether it is the healing, whether it is salvation, whether it is, Father, restoration, whatever it is, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, a clean life, whatever it is, Father, Lord, we are claiming it this morning for each and every one of us, Father, because it is contained in the atonement, the fullness of the atonement. Even the rapture is in you. Even the resurrection is in you. Father, we are claiming that, Lord, for each and every one this morning, Father. Lord, we commit our pastor to you. We commit our church to you. We commit every believer to you, Father. As we end this exodus, we want to walk with you, Lord. You know the needs in our church, Father. There are many requests that was brought at the beginning, Father. You know them, those who are sick, Father. We are sending the word that where they are, God. May you touch them. Even as far as in the Philippines, Father, Lord, may your word go there, Father, and touch them, Father. Lord, you say that healing is the bread of the children. Lord, we love you and we thank you for providing. We just want to say we love you, Father. Thank you for the redemption. Thank you for the redemption. In Jesus Christ, we pray. You know that song, if anybody asks you, just tell them, I am redeemed, bought with the blood. I am redeemed, bought with a price, Jesus has changed my
with the precious blood of Jesus Christ our value is the value of the life of Jesus Christ God bless you you are dismissed remember there is only one service see you on Wednesday God willing otherwise see you on the other side